Good morning on this windy Friday. Is your neighbor's trampoline in your backyard? That just means it's springtime. Today on CityCast Las Vegas, I'm here with co-host David Figler and executive producer Sonia Cho Swanson, and we're talking about the safety investigation into the Tesla tunnels, Henderson's crackdown on unsafe drivers, and a celebration of the classic Peppermill restaurant. It's Friday, March 1st. I'm Sarah Lohman, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Hey, good morning, y'all. Good morning, good morning. Morning, guys. I didn't even mention up top the biggest news out there, but did you know that we started a membership program? I, oh my I've heard. God, yes. What? <laughs> <laughs> I actually appreciate the sarcasm because honestly, if y'all out there haven't heard by now, I don't know what rock you're under. But like, we want to just talk a little bit more about why this is so meaningful to us. Let me jump in and just say, do y'all know what episode number this is today? I mean, I'm still a comparative youth in the whole system here. So we've got the Vogue years as well. That's true. That's true. So I don't know. This is episode number 448. We've made 448 what? episodes, y'all. What have I done I with my life? 448 episodes. Yeah, no, that's what I've done with my life. It's great. Exactly. And you know what? Every single one of these episodes has been free. And we do this because we love Las Vegas and we love our audience. And so if you've been listening, especially for those of you who've been listening to every single 448 of these dang episodes. You're out there. You're out there. I know the super fans are out there. Uh, We have even more newsletters than that. Man, we just just can't thank you enough for sticking along for the ride. And I know a lot of you have been asking how you can support our work. And now, actually, this is your chance. Yeah, it's funny how many people have been coming up. And they're going to remain to be free. The membership Mm -hmm. program is just like a little bit of extra. And I'm going to tell you this. This is true story. I'm out at dinner last night. And uh-huh. not one, not two, but three different people came up and they're like, I'm members, I'm members. And they oh, were like no, so proud serious? of it. Yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's so, it's so affirming because especially like when people sign up for the membership, like I don't even think they care about the perks, which there sure, are perks sure. to getting membership with City Cast Las Vegas. They just want to tell us. They want to tell you, David Figler, you're one of our most treasured local celebrities. This is what I've learned from <laughs> oh, hanging stop. out with you, IRL. But it's so much fun to actually hear that immediate feedback and not just like the immediate feedback like I am part of your club now sir (laughs) you know it's like it's so awesome and then one thing that I'm absolutely loving about all these members that are coming on is that there's a little space to say why you wanted to be a member of Las Vegas Mm -hmm. oh my god guys have you been reading them because my heart has grown three sizes it's Uh so (laughs) it's so affirming from the tiny Grinch size to yeah it was a little Grinchy but now I'm all about the love yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be less snarky. I, there's so much love oh, in no. Las Vegas, and uh, <laughs> I'm getting to bathe in it. But no, seriously, the the comments have been so thoughtful. They're they're so in tune with what we've been doing with the newsletter, what we do on the podcast. They love our interactions, Sarah, yeah. when we get to play together on the on the podcast. Mm-hmm. It, it's just a really lovely thing to hear, and I'm glad that membership is the way that people can express that. Yeah, and a lot of them have just been saying that, like, I'm supporting this because I love Vegas. I'm committed to Vegas. I've been to Vegas all my life. We just got one this morning from someone who lives in Florida, but they're like, Vegas is still my number one hometown love. And 
so I'm going to support it. And you all know I moved here a couple years ago, August 2021. But honestly, one of the first things that was sent to me is my bestie, Kim, sent me the Hey Las Vegas newsletter, which at that time wasn't even called Hey Las Vegas. It was even before the rebrand. Um, And so I just had gotten to the habit of I would wake up in the morning, opened up the newsletter and would read it, not only to see what was happening in town, but especially to get in tune with what events were coming up because I wanted to get out there and enjoy my city. And then also all the roundups would really be helpful. Like, David, Mm -hmm. I I will never forget your coffee shop roundup. How many coffees did you actually drink that morning as you looped around downtown? That was five. That was a five coffee. You drank five coffees. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so I was able to take even one of those coffees, every one of those coffee shops and like loaded into my map to give them a whirl. And so it just helped give me a roadmap to the city. And, you know, now I loved it so much. Here I am hosting the darn thing. Hey. You know, one of my favorite episodes is when we talked about places that went away in Las Vegas and what we yeah. have to replace them now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I got to just fondly remember all those places that I used to go to, like especially restaurants. There was this restaurant called Rosemary's that was like my jam and I loved it so much and it's just not there anymore. Mm. And, you know, um, it's just one of those things in Las Vegas, you, you, you get used to it. But I think the challenge is to just support what is here when it is here as best Mm -hmm. you can. And I Mm -hmm. think that's what this membership program is all about. Hey, a lot of uh, news outlets are folding. So, you know, finding alternative ways to keep businesses going is really important. So where where can they go, Sonia, if they want to become a member? They can go to membership.citycast.fm and our memberships start at just $8 a month. Yeah. And you know what? We're just really excited to start bringing you into the community. You're going to see some bonus content uh, that will prove to you that we really like each other and we actually do hang out. And we're looking forward to doing live events in the future, too, and hope to have you be a big part of that. So that's our personal news. But let's talk about the city. So, Sonia, I hear you've got some Tesla tea. Spill me that piping hot Tesla tea. What's going on? Well, it is it is piping hot Tesla sludge, y'all. Ew. So a few days ago, earlier this week, Bloomberg broke an incredible story. I want to shout out to journalists Max Chafkin and Sarah McBride uh, that there has been a state OSHA, which is the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, investigation. Uh, and that investigation was launched last summer. There was an anonymous tipster about some safety concerns at the Boring con- Company's construction sites um, in Las Vegas, which, as you know, currently the Boring Co. has those you know Tesla tunnels along the convention center, but they've been expanding to the Encore and the Westgate. That expansion started um, over spring and summer last year. So workers say that they faced tremendous pressure to speed things along. Tunneling was going on for 24 hours a day. Workers said that they had 12-hour shifts. On top of that, they were forced to spend entire 12-hour shifts underground, take their lunch lunch breaks underground. Oh, F that. Ask for permission to go to the bathroom. That the temperatures in the tunnels could get over 100 degrees Fahrenheit in the tunnels. Are you kidding me? What is this, like an 1880s coal mine? Right. Like, what is happening? Are the photos in the Cornish Pasty Company actually of Tesla tunnel workers, not (laughs) Cornish mine workers? The the grime-covered helmet Waves. Uh, right. Waves in the tunnels. Well, maybe. You know, actually, some of the workers said that they jokingly called the construction sites the plantation. That's oh brutal. Yes, I kid you not. But all right. Wait, I, I mean, all this is crazy, but get back it gets to the worse. sludge, please. Yeah. Oh, it gets worse. Okay. So here's here's where it gets actually like incredibly unhealthy. There is um, a 
toxic mud sludge that was like workers would have to wade through. It was up to two feet deep in places. And some of it contained something called accelerants, which is a chemical you use to kind of like accelerate the drying of grout on the the Uh. walls of these tunnels. And the workers would be like, hmm, I'm wet. I'm muddy. Wait. The quote is, you'd be like, why am I on fire? Because (gasps) the accelerants would actually burn your skin. Yes. So... On top of this, there's also also other safety violations that were cited, um, heavy equipment and supplies that would be sliding treacherously or toppling over because of all this sludge and mud. An intern was almost crushed by a collapsing bin of muck. Um, An intern! He's not even getting paid to get crushed by muck. Yeah, well, some interns get paid. Let's hope this guy was at least getting a little bit of... Uh, you know he wasn't. That. You know he wasn't. Some kid from Harvard who's like, oh, you know, God. I understand that this is cutting edge technology, and I'm gonna, oh my God, the sludge, sludge, the sludge, the sludge, the sludge. Uh, but it's not just. I mean, we're joking, but some people got yeah. seriously injured by the yeah. the chemical yeah. sludge. It's like, pretty. It, it's, it's erosive, right? And it's like corrosive. splashing in people's corrosive, faces. Yeah. At least one <laughs> worker was splashed in the face. Yes. Um, I think the report said that over the course of a month, at least ten to fifteen workers were affected by the. Sludge, um, and on top of that, there was just like equipment falling. There was one piece of machinery that like fell down like a slope, and the worker only escaped because he didn't have his seatbelt on. And yeah. so there have been no reported deaths. That's what we know. A lot of Thank close goodness. calls, right? OSHA has fined the boring company over a hundred k for these safety violations. Workers also said there wasn't enough personal protective equipment. They claimed so the, these, the, some of these violations are already confirmed because OSHA has investigated as fining OSHA. Them. However, the boring company's response has been to contest this and say that OSHA does not have confirmed evidence, despite Mm. the literal photos that we've been looking at from these uh, uh, FOIA reports that are coming out. But the boring company, I mean, to give them, I guess, the grain of salt they're due, is saying that these are benefit of the doubt. Thank you. Yeah. They're, what they're saying is that it's unconfirmed. And so I actually called up our state OSHA to ask what the timeline is for the process of, you know, the contestation. And they said that it, it could it could take months. It could take a year. There's just no real hmm. timeline. So in the meantime, construction continues. OK, so, I mean, that is exactly what I want to know. Should we be giving Tesla and the boring company the benefit of the doubt? Or has Las Vegas been hoodwinked by this billionaire and his alternative to public transportation? I think what's alarming to me is that there's just no remediation process or pause on the works while Mm -hmm. these what appear to me to I think most legitimate most observers to be very legitimate claims of worker safety violations. So Mm -hmm. why is there at least no remediation process in the meantime? Why does construction get to continue? That's a great point. Uh, Figler, I know you got some opinions on this. What's going on? Well, I did go a little bit down the... uh... Tesla wormhole, I guess the Tesla worm tunnel. (laughs) Um, It's just, it's just nutty buddy. But here's the thing. When this thing was first presented to the greater Las Vegas city and and continues to get presented to different municipalities, et cetera, it's made to seem like this is like clean technology. We're just going to go in there with our new super technology that we've developed to make these little holes. And it's like, poof, it goes in, poof, it comes out. And then we're just Mm going to start shooting those things down. And a lot of people, notably Mayor Carolyn Goodman, was like, does this make any sense? Like, it's basically putting taxis underground. We've talked about that a lot on the podcast. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that LVCVA 
was all in on this. This is so important for the community, not as a transportation alternative. That's always been garbage. But just as like, you know, Vegas is where shiny, funny, fun things happen all the time. And these Mm -hmm. tunnels, they kept showing these videos, how cool they are with all the lights and, you know, going through these underground areas in these Teslas and stuff. But do we ever freaking think about worker safety or what the process would be like do we have any obligation is my thought to vet the process to make sure that in pursuit of vegas spectacular always happening and always moving forward Mm -hmm. that we're doing in a way that is not just thoughtful but safe and so were we hoodwinked i I don't know that we even asked the right questions like can you be Mm -hmm. conned if you don't use your due diligence. Uh, yeah, this genuinely feels like we're at a second Gilded Age. Like this is some like post-industrial revolution shit with a couple billionaires on the top. And it doesn't matter if a couple workers get literally crushed by sludge because it's yeah. all in the name of like commerce and capitalism and right. all those other things that that Eagle Muppet would yell out, you know? And it just <laughs> seems so ridiculous. And this this is my shock you guys, but I have not agreed with a lot of things that Mayor Goodman has said in the past, but like what? I like her more every every day. <laughs> She's like practical and honest and in some ways like positively optimistic. Like she just has sure. really like said some truths of like why do we have Tesla tunnels? Why do we want the Oakland A's? Maybe it's just because she's coming to the end of her term. She's just like talking shit. But I am agreeing right. with this shit talking. Why do we have COVID restrictions? Why aren't we an open control, <laughs> control group? group? Those are the right. ones, the opinions oh, I'm like not those. so hot on. Those are, yeah, those are the ones <laughs> that kind of give zero like, shits, I feel you're like. moving to what city? But I'm enjoying the zero shits given currently. Okay, so a new station at the Westgate is still slated to open sometime in late March. It's been delayed. I think it was supposed to open today. It could be because of this report. They're saying this is normal construction delays. So all that aside, what impact does an investigation like this even have? Has it had any impact so far? Apparently not. Right. Yeah. I mean, they are still moving forward with construction. I would bet all of it, like if we could have our bingo card back, that <laughs> um, local and state officials are scrambling right now with this reporting coming out and trying to figure out like where it went wrong, why they didn't get on this before the media jumped in, and what they need to do to make sure that those workers are safe. Because if there's deaths down there, I mean, it could be game over. Yeah. This, this has a lot mm-hmm. of reflections of something uh, that people will remember from not terribly long ago, back in 08, um, when they were building the city center construction site where Aria and Vidar yeah. and all those places yeah. are. It was a huge problem. Uh, state and federal safety inspectors found uh, like dozens and dozens of serious violations. There were six workers who died in mm-hmm. the construction of City Center. Um, mm-hmm. And there was some amazing reporting from, uh, at that time, the Las Vegas Sun. Uh, mm-hmm. It was The team was led by a reporter named Alexandra Burzon. They won the Pulitzer Prize that year mm-hmm. for the reporting mm-hmm. on City uh, Center and wound up changing a lot of the ways that OSHA did things. But the, the thing that rings kind of, and, you know, again, fortunately, there's no deaths here, but the thing that seems consistent and maybe the lesson never learned by Strip City <laughs> is that when you have these overwhelming big projects. And at the time, City Center was like the largest commercial project in the country, but Hmm. they were trying to do it fast. It was a complex project. And the workers at the time, and they were all like proved to be correct, was saying that the company, 
was not doing enough to ensure safe conditions, which Mm -hmm. seems to me to be in the 21st century a bare minimum. And it's not like this is some sort of abstract concept. This is something that happened right here in Strip City, right here on the Las Vegas Strip. Right, right, right. And here we are again, like barely a decade (laughs) later, and we're we're, we're once again seeing allegations um, that a project was going too fast, that it was complex, and that we weren't taking safety serious. And I, I am not surprised right now that, you know, LVCVA was asked for comment by Bloomberg. They said no comment at the time. They're going to have to come up with something. But, you know, since they were really the champion of this project, um, there still needs to be some answers. And I think that's the impact, Sarah. And they're the funders behind this project, too, right? They're, the LVCVA paid $50 million for a pair of tunnels less than a mile long, and they're paying the boring company $4 million a year to operate these tunnels. So they've got a pretty chunk of change invested in this project as well. Yeah. Well, everyone, report your unsafe workplace to OSHA. That's O-S-H-A. <laughs> it is your right. And you know what? I think the Tesla tunnels are stupid. If anyone from the city are boring. So not, not worse safety violations? Because sometimes no. they are, Sarah, right? Aren't they? No, <laughs> never worse safety violations and stupid. So anyone that wants to come on and convince me otherwise, y- you're welcome to. City, boring company, Tesla, Elon Musk Elon himself. Musk. We will take you on the podcast because I think this is a dumb idea. David, you are reporting on something in my neck of the woods, huh? Henderson is cracking down on unsafe drivers. What's up? Well, uh, as anyone who has driven through the streets and freeways of our city knows, uh, it can be quite treacherous out there. Over the last few years, we are clearly seeing very serious traffic collisions, injuries, Mm -hmm. and fatalities. Mm -hmm. Uh, And sadly, too many of them often involve pedestrians. Oh, not Um, yeah. There have been statewide campaigns about it. Uh, LVMPD Sheriff Kevin McMahon has vocally made road safety a priority. And now, yes, we have this story coming out of Henderson where a blitz of traffic enforcement netted 616 citations being issued in about a two-week period. Wow. Uh, For reference, last year during the same time, there were a little more than 200 citations from the same department, so almost a tripling. Now, um, the biggest violations that they cited people for uh, seems to be speeding. Mm-hmm. Over half the tickets were for that, though they didn't say just how much over the speed limit people were going. Uh, there were also a couple of dozen distracted driver citations, i.e. texting and all that, because, you know, it just can't wait. Uh, <laughs> and the rest were any of the hundreds of potential traffic laws that are on the books. Mm-hmm. So. The Henderson PD says that citation blitzes like this are needed to let drivers know that they have to be more careful, and they link it to what they call, quote, an unacceptable increase in accidents throughout our community. Hmm. I mean, word on these Henderson streets are is that the city is cracking down on all kinds of code violations. So I guess my question is, uh, with with the, the traffic violations, Sonia, do you think that this is an effective way to make our roads safer or is just this like optics and a money grab to get some more money in the city kitty? <laughs> You know, okay, so David and I kind of mathed this out yesterday, and we were like, okay, so if the average traffic violation is what? What'd you say, David? 200 bucks? 
Yeah, it's probably between 100 and 200 because everything went civil, so it's a little more expensive now. These aren't even criminal tickets anymore. These are civil violations. Okay. All right. So say 200 bucks, and there's like, you know, 600-something, you know, tickets issued or violations, uh, citations issued. That's like 72K. It's not a huge chunk of change for a department that size. For two weeks. Sem- mm-hmm. For two weeks. Okay. Well, yeah, 72K for two weeks is a lot, but that's maybe like one highway patrol officer's salary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, what we've learned is that anytime you have like an officer driver interaction on the road, that's an increased opportunity for friction of some kind. Mm. We even saw, I remember um, not too many months ago when two state troopers who pulled over an impaired driver on a highway were actually struck by a different impaired driver mm. on the road and died. So this was out in Las Vegas, not in Henderson. But, you know, just just that the act of pulling people over can can come fraught with quite a lot of risk. So I'm just curious if there are other ways that we can encourage people to be a little safer. I don't know if we want to go like the full China route where they're like monitoring your car speeds and like giving you like social whatever sure. detriment points or whatever. But um, maybe there's some other kind of remote way that this could this could work out. I mean, at the same time that this story came out, Sheriff McMahel proposed to put red light cameras uh, and speed cameras. So, you know, maybe that's controversial, does it reduce these law enforcement and driver interaction that you're talking about? Is this another way to encourage safety? What do you all think? I mean, there's a lot to unpack here, Sarah. Obviously, there's an issue on the roads and law enforcement being law enforcement saying, well, we need to do more law enforcement things. We need to cite more people, find them, you know, put them in trouble. And that is obviously a piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. You know, we want drivers to be encouraged to be safer. How we do that, is it through punishment? Is it through education? There's a lot of ways, I think. It's a piece of the puzzle. The piece of puzzle that we don't talk about in these contexts are making the friggin' roads safer. Stop making the roads so huge. Stop mm. allowing for such speeding to occur in these very, 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 very wide roads and the strodes and then the yeah. ingress. So, like and the, the design. The design yeah, of the, the design, talking period. About. And yeah. we talked about mm-hmm. that tons on the podcast. It's like the design needs to be a priority. And then there are also other things that can be done in safety devices, in cars, et cetera. Now, when you get to this red light camera stuff, mm-hmm. um, first of all, it's against the law right now. It's Well, it's against the law right now. Okay. okay. Here in Nevada. So, yeah. Here in Nevada. In 1999, um, they passed a law that you know law enforcement can have uh, monitors on their vehicles. They could have them on government buildings, but not at basically at intersections and things Mm -hmm. like that. It was a bipartisan bill. Uh, Law enforcement was there and they made the same, and safety experts made the same arguments in 1999. They say this is going to, you know, help uh, stop uh, a lot of these traffic issues that are occurring. But the legislators really pushed back hard that there are so many unintended consequences of giving law enforcement so much like remote (laughs) <laughs> Essentially, Wait, like AI. that guy we talked about last week who was released from prison and then got picked up when a traffic camera ran his license plate. That's kind of along the same lines, tra- isn't it? No, it wasn't a traffic camera. It was it was cops who did that. It was cops it was, who randomly ran his plate. Yes. Yeah. Or whatever. So basically, legislators were concerned about the fact that law enforcement would have so much so many eyes in so many more corners of. Well, eyes in Oak people's City. cars. 
Let's just okay. be let, let's what they're talking about. And, you know, whether it's like, you know, I don't want them to know who I'm driving around with um, and neither does my wife <laughs> need to know who I'm driving around with. Um, but, you know, other things, too. It's like there's a Fourth Amendment. There is a right for unreasonable you know, search and seizure. And part of the concept of that is we don't want the government looking into our shit unless we give mm-hmm. them a real reason to. And we don't want that information to be in their hands because who knows what they're going to do with it. And back in 1999, they had tons of examples of where traffic um, traffic camera information was used for stuff that had nothing to do with traffic. Mm-hmm. And so it really was, mm-hmm. do you trust the government to do it this way? And then there were other examples like it's the car that gets tagged, you know, not necessarily a driver. So if somebody, you loaned your car to someone right. and they mm-hmm. get a citation and then the driver gets the ticket, but if the driver didn't see it in their mailbox and they don't contest it, then they're assumed to be the person who did it. And that's like a due process issue. I mean, there were a lot of civil liberties, big umbrella concerns about having these traffic um, cameras and Sheriff McMahon knows all that. Uh, but, you know, he also is the top law enforcement officer and he wants to keep our streets safe. But again, we're not talking about we're not talking about construction either, are we? Right. And the treachery of the construction getting around those cones that seem to be random. I'm curious, too, if this really is a city that is full of more dangerous drivers. You know, certainly my insurance cost is very high because there's this assumption that more drivers are inebriated here than in other places. I'm curious mm. to see if that's true. Um, but I will say, having lived in a couple other places and certainly traveled extensively, the vibe, and I'm curious if you agree, of Vegas slash Henderson to me, is people here tend to have very, very expensive, fancy cars more than I'm used to <laughs> and often drive them very, very, very fast. Would you say that that is part of Las Vegas's vibe? Oh, Why yeah. do we have Lamborghini SUVs? That's what I want to know. <laughs> yeah. I saw one the other day. I was like, this makes no sense to me. I will say I... So when I'm driving in California, I see the traffic cameras and I actually do kind of slow down because I don't want to get caught. I don't want to get that ticket. So I know that it affects my driving behavior personally, but I can also see like I feel like it's a very Nevada perspective to say like, hey, our privacy is paramount. So I guess this is sort of where that tension plays out on our roads. No matter what your view on it is, everyone just slow down. Slow down. So we're going to end on a little bit of foodie news. Um, Las Vegas's beloved Peppermill restaurant has won a big award. Yay. Let me find my article. So you're both familiar with the James Beard Awards. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've heard of them. We've heard of them. The the Oscars of the food world, as they are often dubbed. Oscars of the food world. And we, of course, (laughs) frequently host a James Beard Award winner right here on this podcast. That's our contributor, Kim, who wrote the meth lunches. Um, But they also do, you know, we associate them with like, I associate them with food writers or like high-end chefs and restaurants. They also do what they call the America's Classic Reward. And they do it regionally. And they define it as locally owned restaurants that serve quality food, have timeless appeal, and reflect the character of their communities and the oh, pepper- two out of three ain't bad for peppermill uh, reflect the character of the community a hundred percent sure timeless appeal yeah, 100%. yeah. <laughs> you would disagree with the quality food assertion well it, it, it's a it's a mixed bag i'm gonna say that i love it if, I, if we're gonna go I, on this I've road more meals there than i should ever have and i have some favorites on the menu but i i, I wouldn't put it up there with, look you know yeah 
the way I put it is you're just gonna get like solid run of the mill diner food, and it's, yeah. it speaks to an era, and you're you're not gonna come out of there hungry, and you're not gonna come out of there like dissatisfied. I'm just maybe thinking you're not going there specifically for the food. You're going there for other stuff. You're not going for food. You're not going for a bargain, but you're going for the experience. And it's yeah. amazing. I, I also, love the pepper mill. I yeah. love the pepper mill. Go ahead, Sarah. Uh, no, the, this is exactly what I want to hear. Because, okay, I have been, and I, of course, went because, I mean, I think a lot of Las Vegans seem to feel about the pepper mill. It's one of the few places left on the strip that feels like it belongs to Las Vegans, right? Mm. You may see some tourists there, but it's really spoken about as this more beloved thing for locals. I mean, the interior design is absolutely brilliant. The neon is incredible, and it is known for its fire pit in the back. I will say when I went, probably just an unfortunate first visit, but the back did smell like throw up. And so that was unpleasant. And cigarettes. Cigarettes. Yes. Um, It's one of those. And then the front, it it was fine. It was a vibe, but it also did feel very like, like there was a person taking your photo for quote unquote free, but it was like, but you should tip and a good tip would be $20. We were told, you know, we knew we were going to pay. It's fine. I yeah yeah I had a fine experience. Should I go back? Yes. Yeah. The answer is it yes. Is, it is the <laughs> finest example of I call it exotica boom. Oh, it's, it's just remarkable in there. I mean, depending on what time of day you go in there, it's a different place. Whether you go to the cafe side or the lounge side with the exotic drinks like the blue Hawaiians or the scorpions. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, this is what I mean. Like, to, I, I, there's something I think deeper in nostalgia, and I think that you know, in a great way, this is what the James Beard Award has tapped into. Like on the outside, I'm like, oh, pepper mill seems fine, but like, you two love it. You love it oh, in, in the way of someone who has so lived here their entire life. There. I took my younger sister on her 21st birthday for her first cocktail at the pepper mill. Oh, oh my gosh! Like David. how the pepper mill is ingrained in Vegas culture. And well, also, we ran into one of my clients there who was owned the largest uh, at the time string of strip clubs in town. And he called us over and I'm like, we're not going over there. <laughs> so it's that place. I love that the sugar shakers, if you want to put sugar in your coffee, oh, yeah. are filled with like multicolored rainbow sugar sprinkles. It's so delightful. And David taught me about an incredible menu item that I have not ordered yet. But David, you should tell our audience to order this menu item. Okay, so whenever... I have, and I used to host like hundreds of literary people coming in town to do shows and stuff. And then afterwards, we would always go to the Peppermilla and I would insist that they order the fruit plate. The fruit plate? So the fruit plate's like, I think it's about $300. No, that's an exaggeration. It's hyperbole, but it's very expensive. And it comes out, it's like in a pineapple and it's just piled like a mile high with Whatever fruits are there. I mean, it's kiwi and grapes and all Ooh. sort of stuff. Um, it's just overflowing. There's a, it comes out with an entire attendant loaf of banana bread and like <laughs> a ramekin of marshmallow sauce. It just never ends. It's literally that one serving is your recommended fruit intake for the entire year. It is and, sh- it is and over sugar the top. intake apparently. <laughs> well, I mean, fruit. It's my recommended um, marshmallow intake. I well, love it. It's I think so what's, good. what's really brilliant about this award is that it is hitting on something deeper about like memory and nostalgia and like community love. Mm. Um, so, congrats to the Peppermill. Like, how fun. But my question for the two of you is what other Vegas restaurants would you not? nominate for the America's Classic Award. 
Ooh. Okay. So I'm going to suggest, and I know this is controversial, but Bob Taylor's Ranch House, which is just to me speaks to a different era of Vegas when we were a lot more Western, ranchy, mm. open lands. Uh, maybe in a similar vein to the Pepper Mill, the food is not what I would call top tier. But when you go inside, it's got that like fireplace, the lounge. You kind of feel like you're sitting down with like the slightly sticky Cowboy plastic. Cowboy chic. Cowboy mm. chic. They've got the old movie, Western movie posters on the walls. You know, the slightly sticky kind of like plastic covered menus. Um, yes. And just it's just really reminiscent of an era. Do you have a special memory there, Sonia? Just seeing my dad there for... Um, mm. Prime Rib Mondays, where you pay a dollar an ounce, you know? That's, <laughs> oh, yeah. Las Vegans love a bargain. We do. All right, what about you, David? Old-timey David? So many contenders. You know, a lot of the casino spots probably qualify. Places like Hugo's Cellar, um, the Circus Circus Steakhouse, places like that, even the Golden Steer, which is not in a casino. But um, mm-hmm. I'm going to say that, yeah, it's classic. I would think that our uh, America Classic Award should go to Chicago Joe's. The oh. off-overlook Chicago Joe's. And Chicago Joe's is just a traditional red sauce Italian spot. It's downtown. Mm. It's in a brick house. It's been there forever. The food uh, has gone up and down in quality like the New York, New York roller coaster over the years. <laughs> I haven't been there for a while. Uh, but whenever I go, and I'll go with family or whatever, it's crowded. It's a little... Uh, old-fashioned in a lot of ways. Uh, my my mother-in-law really enjoys getting the uh, Chianti wine because it comes with a peach slice in it, which is their tradition. Oh. There's so many, uh, the shrimp Beautiful. Diablo. There's all these little things there that just make Chicago Joe's a classic, even as we are discussing, it isn't per se the top tier food food, but it's a great experience. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. All right. Well, I gave this some thought and I have to say that um, a really good dive bar is what occupies the same Ooh. place in my heart. Ooh. So I would nominate the Goldmine Tavern over on Water Street. Oh, look it's, at you. It's stuck around. It stayed through it. it all. I've already sort of waxed poetic in one of the newsletters about it, but like I don't drink often, but when I do, it's going to be a bender and it's going to involve like some heart to hearts. <laughs> We're going to put our hands on each other's shoulders and like, I love you, man. Um, and I've just had some Two wonderful... Two fingers of whiskey and they were probably just, in the glass before you're just you served such, it. such a good friend, <laughs> my man. And um, yeah, it's just a scene, particularly on the weekends. There's great people watching. There's pool in the back. There's a Zoltar to tell your future. And I can walk to it. It just seems like the perfect spot. And I think it's going to be the backdrop for many an outrageous night to come. Well, thank you both for uh, chatting up with me and uh, I'll see you next week. Thanks. Keep on keeping on. Always. That's all for today here in CityCast Las Vegas. Our producers this week were Sonia Cho Swanson, Leila Mohammed, and Noah Snyderman. Our newsletter editor is Rob Kachelreis, and our hosts are David Figler and me, Sarah Loman. Music is by OG Moose, Epidemic Sound, and All the Kimonos. We record this show on the traditional homelands of the Nuwuvi, the Southern Paiute people. And if you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend? Rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Take care.
Yay. And is this the part where I burst everyone's bubble that the Pepper Mill is actually like a Reno outfit that just has an outpost down here? It's a casino. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. We still we still claim it. We still claim <laughs> it. Yeah, it's not it's a different. It's a different institution. 